Welcome to the Fatty Z Musky Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined by phone and under a blanket, we have Vance. Hi, Vance. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, literally, uh, you are under a blanket, correct? I am under a blanket. Am I echoey? No, you're not. That's amazing. No, it's... Well, it's... I'm I'm the man of stealth. <laughs> <laughs> we may get into that a little bit later. Maybe, maybe not. Eventually, we will. But the reason Vance is under a blanket is because he's chilly. Well, actually, because nothing is hung in my game room at, at, the, <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> it, it, it's a podcasting trick. Anyone out there, an echoey voice is not a good voice to uh, record to. So Vance threw a blanket over his head, but I figured I'd make light of it because it's kind of funny. And it's from the white. It's from the White Star Line. Excellent. Nice. You know where that is? Probably next to the Yellow Star Line. I think it, it was a Titanic thing. Oh, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well. Believe it or not, the Titanic sank on this day back in 1912. You remember we went on that little tirade maybe a year ago about the Titanic? (laughs) About how stupid the captain was. (laughs) He was just like, vroom. (laughs) There's stuff everywhere that's going to sink your boat. Full speed now. (laughs) You know, there's a thing when you're riding dirt bikes, like when you get to a point, okay, so, you know, riding is is much like painting. Uh, It's easy until you know how. In that when you try to become a more accomplished rider, there's a point to where you're hitting this wall and eventually you just break through and everything clicks. And one of the things that's really hard to do breaking through this wall is learning that at times, actually most of the time adding more throttle is going to get you out of trouble than less throttle. You're in a dicey situation. You're like, I'm going to fall down and eat this. Mm, You're probably going to do a lot better if you just give it a fistful of throttle and just go through it. And that's more than likely what happened on the Titanic is he's just like, man, my days riding that motorbike, just floor it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Start Full shoveling coal, coal in those burners. <laughs> 250 cc. <laughs> he has he 12 men throwing he, he coal. He took a nostalgic look forward <laughs> to when he rode their bikes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> great history there, Andy. <laughs> they're going to say something like, in the future, they're going to take... <laughs> these actions and apply them to modern life. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Vance is under a blanket, and sitting in for Todd, we have Gearman Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello. I am not under a blanket, but if, if you need me to be, let me know. i got a thrower <laughs> sitting right here next to me. You know, I think that we probably ought to just do that for the fun of it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. We're going to get through this one. I promise you. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Fatty Z Musky Products. FattyZMusky.com is the website. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
You can also find the baits at Team Rhino Outdoors and Musky Tackle Online. I am working diligently on filling those orders to get those stores stocked up. So stay tuned. We're probably looking first of the year, January, more than likely before February. They should have everything all back in stock, barring a disaster on my end. Then, uh, you know, from there, the, our website currently is sold out of baits, but what isn't are the rod holders. So be sure to check them out if you're setting up a boat this winter, maybe Santa. You know, if you're a good boy or girl, Santa would bring you some rod holders. Um, you can come to us for opinions and recommendations for a boat setup. That's all free. Just hit me up, and I will give you what I feel is a the best setup for what you're trying to find. I'll ask a bunch of questions and what have you. So just hit me up and let's see what else is there. There is Muddy Creek. How are you? Muddy Creek fishing guides. We uh, just wrapped, well, I wrapped up the season. I fished into late November there. Uh, we had some good weather, um, but 2020 books are filling up. Uh, Todd and I both have a, a decent amount of days booked. So think about us. Uh, if you know when you're coming up to Chautauqua, um, there's a couple new moon dates left. Uh, if you want to get on the books for those, the big ones show up there, even though we make fun of it, they, they do come, come around, uh, in and around those dates. Um, so think about us after the holiday, get on the books, uh, June, July, they're filling up fast. Uh, get a hold of us. We'll do our best to get you out there and get you on some fish. When you're fishing with us, you'll be fishing out of Ranger Boats. Big shout out to them for sponsoring this show and Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Uh, I have my new boat, my new 2080. Uh, Todd has his 1880. 60 years in the future. Really? Well, 2080. It's a 2020, 2080. Oh, yes. That was a stupid joke, but I tried. I got you. Um, But uh, shout out to Ranger um, for doing all the things they do for us. If you need a Ranger boat. Where would I go? Vicks Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. They are fishermen that sell boats and set up boats. Do not cheat yourself. Go to someone like that. You know my history. That's why I ran into VIX. That's why we are where we are right now. VIX is the best boat dealer around. Check them out. They sell Starcrafts, Starwelds, Rangers, and now they're also selling Tritons. Um, That's new for this year. They're going to have some Triton boats in. Um, It's a price point boat. Still a great boat, a glass boat. Um, check out their social media pages, come visit them at the boat shows this off season and make sure you come to their open house is at the end of February here. I think it's the 26th and 27th. Uh, it's that weekend, um, in February, but it's fun. They got airplane hangers filled with glass boats, tin boats, their used inventory, check them out. Also check them out for service. They have a whole airplane hangar dedicated to that. Um, check them out. 
They're the best. Perfect. This show is also brought to you by St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. They, uh, you know, I've been following some of the stuff on their social media. You know, they've been having some pretty, pretty nice sales, you know, popping up here, you know, Black Friday and what have you. Um, but if you're in the market for a new fishing rod, be sure to give St. Croix a fair shake at it. They make many different models and styles of rods. And Vance and Todd have been playing around extensively this past summer with their new trolling rod for muskies. And uh, if you listen to the past podcast, you'll find out that it is a two thumbs up. Correct, Vance? Yeah, it is. They're cumbersome, but it's <laughs> great for guiding. Um, on their uh, for the nine footer and you know their ten foot series, they're big, but they are uh, they have like the perfect amount of stiffness to them uh, for people fighting the fish. Veteran. That is really hard to find. It is. And a trolling rod. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we should probably do a whole podcast on trolling yeah. rods and rod lengths and what have you. But yeah, it is It is not an easy niche to fill, and I cut you off very rudely. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, you're rude in general to me, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're talking about that. <laughs> there are... Not not the rudeness. That's behind closed doors. But the um, the trolling rods, we used to use uh, 8.6 premieres for our out rods, a, a stiff rod. And let me just like preface that with, if I'm using the Project X, I'm going to use that, that 8.6 premiere because it has that snap to it, uh, the extra heavy. But uh, with the extra heavy trolling rods, they're not as stiff. They, they let that fish fight a little bit. And for a client uh, that really doesn't know uh, what's happening, they just think they're reeling, um, there's a lot of room for error there. Like when they lift the rod pole up as if they were fishing for something easy like walleye, like Andy likes to do, or uh, salmon, things like that, Great Lakes charters, there's enough bend in that rod to have forgiveness um, so that that fish doesn't uh, spit that, spit that lure. So I think that I had a lot better success rate in boated fish on those rods uh, as compared to what I I was using uh, in the past. So shout out to that Mojo Muskie trolling pole, St. Croix rods, check them out. Generally, on the other end of those, I'm running Baker baits. Shout out to Zach Baker. Get a hold of them. The show season's coming up. Uh, that's where you're going to have your best opportunity to get them. Uh, people are lining up like it's you know Black Friday on those shows. Uh, you got to get there early to get your hands on them. But he's doing a bunch. Ohio, Pittsburgh, um, and he's also doing the new uh, show that's out, which is in April, uh, the New York Muskie show. So uh, check those baits out. I use them religiously. They work. And another show that's coming up is the Muskie Max Plus. I did see online on their social media that there, I think, is a few, maybe even less than that, booths available for any vendors who are interested. Reach out to muskymax.com or any other social media outlets. That is March 7 and 8, 
Princescape Arena, right next door to Gear Man Steve. <laughs> Pretty close. Very close. I mean, extremely convenient close. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I love that it's there again this year, and I'm hoping it goes on like a 20-year run there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it, it is a will. nice venue, though. I got to admit, it's very great, very family yeah. oriented. It's just a good time to have by all. But yeah, all right. Lastly, we're rounding out the uh, plugs here. Muskies Inc. Big sponsor of this show, and you know it's December. I know one gift that I get every year from somebody is a calendar. How would you like to have a calendar with muskies on it? Well, if you're a muskies Inc member, you will be getting a nice calendar with muskies on it. Get it? Muskies Inc. Yeah. They produce a calendar. That's part of your membership. It's like 45 bucks a year. You get in, you get a membership, you have access to the lunch log. It's their website. You can go and research all sorts of data on muskies, lakes, baits, all that stuff. You have trips coming up. You can go hop on it and go and see what baits have people views that have entered in the lunge log. There is no other database out there that has a collection of muskies caught in North America. That It's just powerful information at your tips. And you can only get that if you are a member of Muskies, Inc. Plus, the bonus about this is you have local chapters that you belong to. Those local chapters have tournaments. You can go, uh, I think, uh, Three Rivers. I think they have two, maybe three tournaments. Then things start overlapping here with 69 having a couple tournaments. Um, They're all really close uh, to where I'm at. I'm actually in between those two chapters. And, uh, I mean, I have the opportunity to fish a lot of tournaments. I don't do that, but I have the option. And it's really you save some money on your entry if you're a member. And, you know, you enter two or three tournaments, next thing you know, you save that money that you would have had um, in the membership itself. It's a great thing. It's uh, one collected voice for the muskie fishing community. It is a great thing. They work with local fisheries, and you can get stuff changed for the better uh, using real science and data. It's a great, great ally. Uh, Join your local chapter. All right. I think I got them all, did I? You so, did. Okay, I thought good. I lost everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're under blankets. Okay, yeah, pillow fight. <laughs> We're asphyxiating over here. Okay, nice. All right, so Steve, you said you had a little fishing trip that you went on. Yes. All right, set the scene. Now, well, so here's the thing. My buddy... Uh, Pat, he's a big fly fisherman for muskie and again, kind of, uh, he's the main guy when I go muskie fishing, fly fishing with, I go with him. Well, he, he lives out in the center of the state, but his family's close to where I live. So he comes home for Thanksgiving and we always try to schedule some trip together, whether it's on black Friday or Saturday, something around Thanksgiving, uh, just cause again, we're together, <clears throat> but we usually hit some of the lakes and reservoirs within somewhat close proximity. So we're not, you know, driving five hours and consume our whole day with travel. So he told me, Hey, we're coming in. We scheduled a day. And he asked me uh, to check the lunge log. Again, this is another value and shout out to Muskie Inc. And the value of the lunge log. Cause he, some of the reservoirs we fish, sometimes they draw down to a level. You just really can't get a boat on the reservoir. 
So uh, he wanted to see where fish were being caught and see which reservoir we could essentially go to uh, and still launch. So I looked at the various ones we usually consider and let them know, and we decided upon one particular lake. So I meet him at, you know, we set it up for Black Friday, and he says, okay, you know, it gets daylight at, let's say, 7 o'clock. Meet me at the traditional ramp we always meet at the morning of that Friday. So I show up, and the lake is down like three more feet than last year. So now the launch ends, and there's like about 50 yards of mud to the waterline. So essentially, uh, this lake was in a rapid drawdown mode because there was fish caught two days prior, and at this point, we physically couldn't launch. So we drove around the lake till we finally found a launch that we could get the boat in. And it was about a foot of water at the end of the launch, you know, it, it, with the mud bottom. Now, he, he has a jet-driven, um, like a drift boat because he does rivers a lot. So you only need about five inches of draft, um, maybe a little bit more if you're launching. So we said, oh, you know, we can do this. So we launched the boat in the shallow water and, you know, proceeded to our fishing spot. So the interesting thing, uh, again, this is, this is, I guess, the point of discussion I wanted to ask you guys about. So we, we make it to the spot that we like to fish. and We've had success in the past. In our traditional, I guess, approach, there used to be like a weed line that was kind of still there, you know, and you always seem to have resident fish that hang out at those weed lines. But since the lake was drawn down a lot further, those weeds were exposed and, and kind of dead. So now there's not necessarily a weed line, but in the middle of the lake, there's shad busting all over the place. So we, we with flies, you, you know, that's just not an, a, a technique that you cover a ton of water with. Mm-hmm. So we kind of continued our one or two casts away from shoreline with the new established shoreline a little further out than we normally would. Okay, so um, wait, you got you got the boat in the water. We got it in the water. Okay, yes, yeah, so we we launched in this one foot of water with a ton of mud, so we had to kind of slowly get out to the deeper part while we're dredging up mud. Uh, and then once we got in, we were able to to proceed to where our spot was. Okay. So yes, yeah, so we got it in the water. All right. Did you have to walk the boat out? What's that? Did you have to walk the boat out, four-wheel drive? What are we talking here? Well, no. So what happened, again, uh, these drift boats are on rollers. So all we did was we backed the trailer up. The trailer actually went sunk into the mud, but it allowed the boat to just roll off into the water. Um, so with the drift boats, you don't have to have the buoyancy of the boat to get it launched. You just got to have a little bit of uh, pitch, and it rolls off. So after it rolled off, I pulled the truck out of the mud, or the trailer out of the mud went up, and then he kind of beached it, and I got into it. So, you know, again, he beaches it. I just got into the boat, and you kind of push off with the oars, and then you kind of get out far enough that you could start the, the motor and, and proceed. Is there so a bow the, mount on this boat? Yes. Okay. Do Is you there ever... a depth finder? Yes. Is that kind of like so, taboo on a drift boat? Well, the, so the, the goofy thing with this drift boat is, um, you know, it's kind of a, a hybrid between a drift boat and some amenities of a conventional fishing boat. Again, it has a, a, a like a bracket or a plate that you can put a bow mount trolling motor. It has a transducer for 
depth finders in the back. Uh, you know, again, he got the jet motor to go through some shallow parts. Um, but so like in this case, when we backed the boat up and rolled it off, the dang depth uh, tr- finder transducer got, you know, some mud on it. So it wasn't reading for a while until we realized, oh, crud, had to clean it off. So, oh, crud. You know, crud. <laughs> you know, we didn't quite say that, but, you know, for a family-friendly show, uh, I won't repeat what exactly what we said. Mm-hmm. But so this is a condition you are not launching a normal boat. Let's just put it that way. This would be a condition where if we'd have gone to that second launch and saw this with a conventional boat, you were either finding another lake or going home. So th- this was the advantage of having this kind of drift boat. Again, even though it's not a traditional lake boat, but he has some things on it to make it uh, that we could fish on a lake. So, so that, that kind of was the adventure of getting in, which again, wasn't too bad. Just, uh, you know, you had to deal with a little mud and, and that kind of stuff. With the exposed so, shoreline, was there yeah. any part of you that was like, I should go exploring? Like maybe you might find treasures. Oh, well, and that was the thing. We found some like huge rock piles that would nef- definitely be underwater. Some uh, old logs. Yeah. I mean, it, I didn't quite take notes like I probably should have because I really don't fish this lake more than maybe when we meet once a year. Mm-hmm. But if I was a guy who fished it regularly, this would have been a prime opportunity to find some hidden gems because I, I don't, you know, it's hard to tell how far the lake is down the normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, because of the sloped. Uh, contours of the shore you don't know if it's five feet eight feet who knows you know what i mean but it, it was significant mm-hmm. I, you know okay. again I'm, I'm saying five might have been a little more or less who knows but you could definitively tell things that would have been underwater no longer underwater and and I, like i said there were some huge rock piles on the ends of points that if i was a bass fisherman i'd be licking my lips over you know mm-hmm. so but again we proceeded to this this area we usually fish and had success in the past and are you so saying we, you're not a bass fisherman anymore? I am. I, 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 whatever season it is. I mean, I, I was steelhead fishing not too long ago. This was musky fishing. I, yeah. So and he went up and he, he was bass fishing the time before that, sending yeah, me pictures of smallmouth. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have a classification, man. <laughs> <laughs> I fish for bluegill. I don't care. Oh, oh wow. You know, I got bluegill rods. I got everything. You got bluegill rods. Insane. Isn't that like any rod that you own is a bluegill rod? You are What's good, that? man, Steve. No, I've specialized bluegill rods. I do. Okay, we're gonna do okay. Really? Needle on yeah. the record. Like That's what? Insane. What makes a bluegill rod? I'm curious. Uh, well, again, very twenty dollars uh, at Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah, it's not a high end one by any means, but it's shorter. Has a lot of flexibility to. Pitch out those because when I fish bluegills, it's usually a maggot under some kind of light float with the girls. A bobber. So it has to a float or a fl- or a float uh, indicators. Fly fishermen like to call it. So it depends. <laughs> oh my god! Bobber's a dirty word. Come on now. Uh-huh. You're using right, maggots so- for bluegill. Well, either either the real ones. If uh, I really want to catch fish, right? You put some of the. The fake Berkeley has some pretty good imitations. If I'm wanting to be in a sporting mode, okay. So let, let's let's talk. I'm gonna yeah, little rabbit hole here. Derailed it with bluegill. I, yeah. So 
when you're when you're fishing for bluegill, do you turn the drag way back to make it seem like you're like accomplishing something? Like you just like to hear peeling out, even though it's like two ounces of drag. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So you just like skip them in like a bass tournament guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I keep the drag a little bit lighter for the girls, so they have that sense. But for me, I'm I'm flipping them on shore just for and stepping on them. Yeah, I mean, if we're eating some, yeah, if not, yeah. I, I, let's put it this way. I don't bluegill fish alone. Like, I just don't go bluegill fishing. I go with the girls. If it's an opportunity to fish and it's take the girls, I'm not musty that's, fishing. So that's, I'll do what I can take. That's code. <laughs> you, ne- you, ne- you never let a brother bluegill fish alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> You just don't. <laughs> so okay. So yeah, so again, I have no classification. I'm not a fly fisherman. I'm but not you a just lost fisherman. a lot of street cred. So okay, continue on. <laughs> I just fish, man. I love it all. I love all gear. I got nothing. I'm diversified. <laughs> okay, so you're liquid in fishing. Liquid. But you're I'm liquid. liquid. You're liquid. I, I flow where it's at. That's it. So so we so we start this lake with our traditional pattern of again hitting a shoreline that would traditionally be fishing weeds that are now like on shore and we're not, you know. But the odd thing, this was the interesting thing. Within the first five minutes, we have a follow. So again, obviously these fish are somewhat staged within the presence of this shoreline, and we you know again had a few more follows. And then the kind of the, the odd thing though was the bait fish out in the middle were like busting like crazy. So they were probably like 50 yards out from where we are. It looked like something was chasing them. So we kind of deviated from our shoreline pattern and went out into the middle and started just kind of casting to these bait balls we see busting up. But after like two hours of that with nothing, we kind of realized, you know what, we're throwing in a fly or a lure, or whatever you're using, it's pretty much competing with like a thousand natural alternatives. Efficiency. So, so the, the question is, I guess, for you guys, particularly uh, you, Vance, who fish a ton, when you reach a situation where you think, okay, there's probably musky forcing these fish up, do you even attempt to fish for that? Or do you realize that it's just, mine's just noise with the rest of it? Yeah, I, I, I attempt to fish with it, uh, I attempt to fish it with efficiency. You know, I'm always about efficiency and that comes with different tactics. Okay. Spell it out Uh, for the people who don't know your efficiency saying it's cringeworthy, but let it out. It's not cringeworthy. You can't spell efficiency without fish. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) So possibly, uh, you're already behind the eight ball in that, in that situation you're fishing this lake your water's down tough to get in your weed line's dead there's fish Mm -hmm. behind you uh and things of that nature you need to be ready for whatever is going to happen because throughout the day the lake and the fish are going to tell you things it's always a learning experience throughout uh the day um Mm -hmm. and so you're obviously in a drift boat uh, you know, you're not in a, in a boat that's set up for all these things. If I had 
bait going crazy behind me, uh, I would troll it. And if it's getting busted up like that, mm-hmm. I would troll it. And at this time of year, I would do it at a slow speed. Um, I, I never in, in our, uh, region would do the open water casting with a rubber bait. Uh, like I, you wouldn't, you wouldn't find me out there with a swimmer hmm. chucking like that. Um, you, you would, you would find me trolling. That's efficient. There's a ton of bait out there. There's going to be predators. Uh, let's get some rods in the water and uh, see what happens. You know, that happens all the time. When I have a a, a weed line that's dead or uh, that's not producing, and there is commotion going on behind me, and there's things that are going on my graph uh, that I notice that are behind me, i.e. bait balls, hooks, things of that nature, uh, I will put a spread out and try to get something going uh, in, in, in that situation. That happens so often um, in a casting charter. For me, it happened this year so many times um, when, you know, you got the weeds are gorgeous. You don't see bait fish in them. The weeds are dead. You don't see anything in them. It doesn't feel good. It's time to adapt to what's going on on the lake that day. Um, And I have the opportunity you know i can i can break down and troll you know in your situation um you know and you definitely can catch catch fish this way Uh, they're just fish you know you you can you know maybe if i was just saying like i'm fly fishing today i'll throw something out there and let it sink for 10 seconds maybe and rip Mm -hmm. it through that bait stuff Uh, you know, that, that's something that I might've done, you know, uh, I also might've just said the hell with this because I was fly fishing, but, um, you know, you, you have to be able to adapt. And when you're going out for a fish that is like a one bite rule, you know, you might catch one, you might not, you have to be ready for everything. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that I fish, you know, some people are, I'm going to, I'm going to fly fish only the barbless hook. I'm getting it done. That's their forte. That's what they like to do. That's great. Uh, And you can get burned that way. If you're stuck in, in a, you know, if you're stuck in in, in a situation like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it happens on charters all the time. I'm casting all day. Well, the casting sucks right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Like, you know, it's just, it's not good. Um, and I know we can get fish behind us. Reversal. I have people that have never fished conventionally with bait casters and jerk baits and whatever. And 
the uh the, the trolling bite stinks and the casting bite is on. Um and, and and you get burned. The the only thing I can say is anytime you step on the water, you have to be ready to adapt. And anytime you're anytime uh you know, you should be able to go out there and do both. Yeah. It, it 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 any any given any given time, especially if you're not doing it every day like I am, and especially if you're like a weekend warrior or this is my day to fish, go out there with an arsenal where you can adapt because that might be the difference of you getting one and not. Yeah. You know. But if you're getting a follow in the first five minutes up on this, you know, well, dead weed edge. You might be onto something. You know? Well, here was the thing. So here's the, I'll let you know the progression to get to get to it. And I kind of jumped ahead. So we we actually had three follows within the first ten minutes. Okay, so we stuck with the shoreline pattern for several more hours. Okay, maybe three more hours. So after those three follows in the first ten minutes, it was nothing. And as the day progressed, that's when the activity of these bait balls. 50 yards behind us started getting really hot and heavy. Whereas when we started the day, we you didn't see anything. It was, you know, class calm almost. Did you go back so, to those three follow spots? Yes. With a few times we, we, okay. we kind of worked the shoreline. Um, and we came back and then worked this Cause each shoreline run for what we were looking at was probably an hour. Okay. Cause it was a long, extensive shoreline, you know? So we, so you had the follows out of the gates, um, relatively sluggish fish came to the boat, didn't go too far in the eight. And, uh, you know, so we don't know even if like the, the second follow, the weird thing is the first follow and second follow are definitely different fish because the size was definitely different. Mm-hmm. We're not sure though, if the third follow is one of those two, cause it was so close. So we don't know. So we don't know if there are three different fish, but there were at least two but we knew where they were. Okay. So like you said, Vance, we kind of thought, Oh good. We got a pattern instantly. But as you guys know, when you fish cold, cold water, you know, you just talk about these bite windows. Like that could have been that 10 minutes for it. Who knows? You know, it it just, there's always seems to be a a small flurry and then there's uh, fruitlessness for long periods till you get another small flurry. That's absolutely hundred percent true. I mean, the, the fall bite is spot on a spot. And how how long are you gonna have the wherewithal uh, before you, you you start playing the men, mental game? Right. You know, the the fish are there. Yeah. Okay. Well, and- four hours has passed. You have not seen one. This mm-hmm. is annoying. I have to try something different. You know, this is crazy. But well, but yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you 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 just. You got to keep hammering. But the fall, the fall time is is one freaking bite. Yeah, it is one bite. I I got to fish more fall this year than than I ever have, uh, and that was weather uh, that that helped me do that. The only other time I got to do that was in 2015 when I got to extend the season, because uh, generally where we're fishing, it's snowing. And uh, just not not good, but uh, I did fish in the snow. But the uh, if those fish were there, that's your that's your back pocket. That's your saving grace of the day. That is 
the trip was worth it almost yeah. in a fall in a fall trip. I can't believe I saw a fish today. Yeah. That's that's insane. You know. It's, well, and that's it's a one bite rule in the fall. And that's very interesting advice because again, when we started, we done, we fished this lake in the past in the cold water and we kind of know this pattern and seen fish and not that it's going to be consistent every year, but when you have three follows right out of the gates, again, we looked at that as, okay, this is a pattern we saw last year. We should stick to this knowing we've seen these three, we might go five hours, but if we continue fishing this pattern where we know there's now fish because we just saw three or two, we got to stick at it. But what screwed us up slightly were these dumb bait fish busting behind us. So, Again, what we ended up doing, like you said, Vance, if we had the tools, we could have put a spread and troll, but we didn't. We had fly rods. Right. So we went out to these bait balls. We'd cast, and you can actually feel the dang thing. You strip your fly through them. But we did that for like two hours because you'd see a busting ball of bait fish. We'd cast over to it, and then that ball of bait fish would be busting 30 yards the other way, and you kind of troll over and start casting to it. And maybe it wasn't two hours. Maybe it was maybe an hour because we were just like, what did we do? We just left where we know there's fish with the anticipation that we're going to find more fish in a brand new pattern in the middle of the lake with fly rods. So we actually, after, uh, you know, the frustration of chasing these goofy bait fish in open water, we went back to our shoreline pattern, which turned out to be fruitful because we had one more follow. And then my buddy hooked a nice one at the boat good fight and, and we lost it at the boat but you know like you said in the fall i consider that a success because he got most of the fight out of it we just didn't get a picture so okay was this the uh, the anyway. guy that designed the fly that never lost a fish yes and i screwed him up because oh I, my. I, I suggested a new hook and now his catch rate with that hook is not good so we're going back to the other hook okay but not <laughs> good like hook. yeah no no <laughs> you're using bobbers no actually the funny thing was uh and not to, to sidetrack, but the, the hook he had was kind of a compact treble hook. And so I said, hey, you know what? Get a wide gap treble hook, I think, because you have a, a, a you know, a further kind of perimeter to hook the fish. Well, it appears that the wider gap treble hook were losing fish. And I don't know if it's because you got a longer moment arm from your shaft and connection point to the tip. And there's some leverage there that's popping the hooks, or the barbs are not big enough, or I don't know what's his loss rate is is uh, not anywhere near a single hook, which is uh, you know abysmal. I still don't get my fly guys use single hooks, but you know it, it's higher, way higher than that. But it's just not like is, again he was on that 15 for 15 streak with those other hooks. Is he sharpening this hook? Yes, and that that was the thing. This hook stays sharper a lot longer. You can hit it off rocks and it seems to retain its. Uh, edge, whereas the other hooks weren't. Mm-hmm. So we were constantly sharpening the other hooks. So that's why I suggested again wider gap and, and better quality hooks. So we're going to go back to the old ones or try to find good sharp hooks that have a, a similar dimension. So it's it's a little you know we're we're fiddling around a little bit. Okay, another question is small, there. There's such a small uh, case study there, though. You know, unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. With with you deciding if the fish got off because of it, it was a wide gap treble or a single hook. Um, it that's there. There's there's too much thought into it. 
Well, but uh, so I think uh, that's just the that's just the way that I the, the way that I fish. Yeah, and it for somebody that is not fishing a lot and does and doesn't get to see it uh, on on the water every day. There is a lot of mental game going on there that could be killing your success rate. Well, so here's what I'm using. For me, you're right. Like if I fish four times a year, that's a lot. Now my buddy Pat, 70 times a year, I mean, he fishes a lot. So again, the empirical data I'm using is when he had the single hook, he got a lot of action on the fly and he recorded a catch rate of one out of every seven to nine. Okay. When we transitioned the fly to the treble hook design with this crappy hook that he had, he went 15 for 15 and ended up going like 22 for like 24 before I had him switch to this new wide gap. Since the new wide gap, his catch rate might, I forget what it was like 10 for 20, like he's at a 50% now. Okay. So it's, it's, it, so there's a little more data points to it versus just three fish or one fish like something I would catch. So was that like 22 for 24 an anomaly or what? I don't know. Again, I don't, we're gonna, and does it come, does it come down to the fisherman too? The what? I'm sorry. Does it come down to the fisherman as well? When you're, when you're experimenting with these different hooks uh, and things like that, you know, was it, was it the, the same hook? guy that, that was fishing the whole time? Yeah, this is him, just Pat. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, so it was... You know, something that, like, Todd's always told me way back in the day was he's looking for a 50%, you know, strike to land ratio. Mm-hmm. And when you, ratio. Yeah, so 50%. If, if you're landing 50% of the fish that hit, you're doing pretty good. Um, yeah, but I guess the, the, the thing that thing uh that i saw was that like man what was he in the 90s you know he was like 92 percent and 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 that's just like unobtainable numbers it'd be like if you flipped a coin 24 times yes you could get heads 22 times statistically it's not likely now well well no let's let's say this Mm -hmm. in our fall fishing when todd finished up in early november he was on a streak of like, let's just say it was 20 for 20 on his last hits. Same mm-hmm. hooks all season. I finished up, I would say in the 80 percentile. No different, nothing, no, no different hooks, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was drag related, but this is trolling, you know? Yeah. I the 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 hooks in in the science behind it all is when I uh, really beat myself on the water when when I when I when I wasn't successful that's that's when i that you know when i would when i would dig deep into it Mm -hmm. i would i would lose and i think that 
you know, this discussion is a, is good for novices and people that are well renowned in, in the sport, especially fly fishing. I don't fly fish much at all. Maybe Ever. six times a year, you know, six times a year, six times a year. I'll, I'll take a fly charter out, you know, so you guys have a different, uh, you know, case study with it, but I still think it comes down to, uh, simplicity and efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you can, you can lose, you can lose as soon as you get to the ramp. You know, if you're thinking too much, if you're not just going out there and thinking of hooks and lines, I know that I just was terrible. Yeah. Um, because I thought, I thought uh, I made it too scientific and it's just still hooks and lines, you know, and yeah. maybe, maybe the days that, uh, you, you were experiencing all this success were like the days where Todd went 20 for 20 or I finished him right. 80, 80% of hook, uh, hookups, you know, mm-hmm. they were just, they were just fired. You know, that's the, we have hours and hours of this stuff, um, of, of the, the way that they're, they're reacting. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, I wish there was something that there was like completely definitive of just, this is going to be your best setup for the day. Yeah. And you will catch these fish if they bite. Mm-hmm. But the fish are aggressive, annoying, crazy bony bony mouths, and there's just too many intangibles to put uh, on this fish in in, in our lifetime. It, it it it's it's like no other. You know that's why they're difficult to catch. Yeah. You, you see when you hook hook up with one it doesn't necessarily it's not over until you release it yeah. and uh, i i wish that you could go out there every day with an arsenal that you could be like this is going to be a hundred percent you know this hook this bait this distance between the hooks this single hook whatever it is i wish it could be like that yeah but i don't think it ever will be well, and you bring up a good point too, because the, the conditional variables are impossible to control. So, Pat's streak was actually uh, essentially December through March. It was winter, okay, and that's when he went like twenty-two for twenty-four. So, what I found, and I've talked about this in the last uh, podcast, I think, just a fly. Now we're talking flies. Uh, the fish seem to. Uh, hold on to a fly longer in that winter versus the summer. So a lot of the losses Pat was experiencing, and I'm using Pat as an example because he's the one that's fishing, are in your warmer climate or warmer weather months where they hit and spit much more aggressive, so you're probably not getting as deep of a hook set. So now that we're back into the winter, I wonder if his catch rate, now unfortunately we lost one, like I said, but if he were to stick with these hooks, would his catch rate go up or, you know, Again, is it is it kind of a, a conditional thing the way the fish react, or is it like you said he just had a great streak and it was just not to be repeated? Who knows? So you're right. Here's, here's maybe here's what I noticed from a warm water 
situation to a cold water situation. Mm-hmm. Warm water, they're filled with piss and vinegar. That's when you're going to lose a lot of fish. Their head's shaking. They're going nuts. They're filled with all this energy. In the fall, the hookup ratio was a lot better. Right. And I had to, tra- I had to transition my drags. And I, I mentioned it on a podcast uh, prior that I let those baits out. And as soon as I clicked it over, uh, I, I let the drag continue to go out. And until, so I would turn the clicker on and it would go tick, 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 tick. And then I would tighten it just until it stopped ticking. Hold on. So, so with, with the drags that I, that I set that way, um, my idea was exactly what you said. These fish are hanging on to the bait longer and i wanted them to take that drag i didn't want the resistance of a a steady strong you know 70 degree water temperature drag when i did that they were biting it and they were getting off it immediately Mm -hmm. these fish when i had it when i had the drag set so loose that the bait itself could almost take that that drag out the fish barely knew that they were hooked they would take it would sound crazy and then you would engage and you would just play the fish and play the fish and it would come swimming in straight and until it saw the boat and saw that net at that point it would start to barrel roll very slowly very lethargic Mm-hmm. And I think that seasonal, there is a, there's a study there. You want that fish to take the bait longer mm-hmm. in that win- in in the winter months. And if yeah. you have have the privilege to fish from December to March, like we can in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Virginias, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that that is a big, uh, difference. We can't do that on Chautauqua, you know, it, right. it, it ended on the 30th, but, um, that's the, uh, that was a saving grace for me in hookup percentage that late. So it can relate to that, that some or December into the spring months. Uh, with the fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a good idea to let that fish take the bait longer. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with lethargy, but yeah. that's just, that's. Well, and so, you know, and that's a great, so again, the, the point you're making, I think is the success had in the colder months with a fly might not necessarily be hook driven, but more, conditional driven so like when you're fly fishing you're not johnny on the spot with a hook set every time but in the winter months what you're essentially doing is they're taking the fly and they're holding on to it longer allowing you to get to that hook set whereas again i i I mentioned this too i've seen muskie take the fly and reject it faster than i could ever react but you know conventional gear when you're almost always in contact 
you don't necessarily have that slack that you're trying to manage and pull up through a hook set like you do flies. So, you know, again, you're right. It maybe it's, it's more conditional than driven by hook choice. And, and, and I can say this when I netted the fish, uh, the hook immediately came out hmm. or it was through, it was through the lower mandible or the corner of the mouth where you could just take the pliers and pull the thing out like it was some hipster with a gauge <laughs> in its ear. They came out so easily. It yep. was, how long can you have this fish on the line and just play it? Like it was almost ice fishing. Yeah. They, they weren't buried. They were just barely hooked. But as long as you let them take that bait, then you, you can net them, you know, you could get them, you could get them in the bag. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that that had a lot to do with the proper hook. I think it had a lot to do with the temperature yeah, and your ability to let that fish take that bait. They were barely, barely hooked. Yeah. Well, um, you know, and I guess the, the experiment would be, to have my buddy Pat, who again fishes ten times more than I do, continue through now these months where he had the hot treat with the new hook. And like you said, maybe you're right. Maybe you will find, and I probably suspect we would, that the hook might not be it. I, you know. So you're right. There's too many variables to try to do a scientific study on to definitively eliminate issues. Uh, but it's always fun to experiment. So <laughs> it's fun to experiment. And, and there's no doubt that I experimented, but I yeah. didn't, I didn't take hooks off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, no, right. that's, that's more fly oriented. That's, that's just what fly, fly people do. There's always a what if factor, you know, with me, it was drags. Yeah. You know, and, and if it was casting, it was set that hook and essentially spin that drag back. Let that fish play around with it. Mm -hmm. I almost, I almost figured, figured it like as if it was a gar hmm. and you want that fish to get entwined. You know how people fish with dead minnows for gars and yeah. let them get entwined and try to spin that beacon in line and things of that nature. But I, that's how I almost felt with it. Just like let the fish take it and we're going to reel. We're not going to gain on it at all, but eventually it's going to come to the boat and we're going to have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's how, that's how I experimented. Yeah. It was, it was drags, you know, that in rather than hooks. Well, and I think a completely why... different setting. Well, and I think that's why the fly guys take her so much with the fly, because again, just as simple as a change of hooks can alter the action of the fly, whereas a crankbait, that action is being driven by the hydrodynamic resistance of the tongue. You know, you're really not changing that. Yeah. So I, I guess that's, you know, uh, hence why there's a little more importance or consideration into what's going on with that fly. Because I know when Pat went from that single hook to treble hooks, uh, there was a lot of changing of the design of the fly to still get a good action that he did from a lighter weight single hook, you know. So talk, so talk about the design of that, the, the way that it worked with 
where you would think more points, better hookup ratio. Well, but it, 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 you're, you're saying that it didn't like skirt the fly as well as a single hook did. Well, so what happened was we, he had this design with a single hook and actually he incorporated a, uh, treble hook in the back. Okay. So it was a single and then a treble. And so I know as I told this story that I had, I was fishing and a big, you know, low 40 inch fish inhaled the fly. I set the hook and I could feel that single hook, like skip twice off its mouth and just come right out. When I checked the hook point, it was rolled on the single hook because I hit a few rocks earlier and dummy forgot to check. So that kind of, you know, so it almost acted like a weed guard opening up his mouth before the treble hooks could stick. And that's when I told Pat, I said, dude, get rid of the singles. Let's, you got to put a double treble in this. So he's got two trebles in it, but now that changes uh, the action he fine tuned in this fly because it was all weighted and, and uh, materials based on a single hook. So he went through several iterations till he got a, a a good design with double treble and it's killer now it man this thing i've never seen a fly like this but but it takes a lot of trial and error and, and to get it just right otherwise it just will pull straight in or die it won't have the good action that you want whether it's a mm-hmm. kind of a walk the dog or roll or whatever it is so but again once we went to the double treble that's when he went on his hot streak but again through the winter but now mm-hmm. even through the the warmer months again with a hookup to catch ratio of 50 percent I think is really good compared to the 10% he was having with the single hook. And I just see a lot of fly guys lose a lot of fish. Cause again, you're getting a single hook. And like you mentioned, you got a bony mouth. You got one shot to get a point in a spot that's going to penetrate versus in this case with two treble six. So I know that the purists and harm the fish and all this stuff, again, it's no different than conventional. If you have cutters and stuff, you can, you can do that and safely release the fish. So, so I I could just definitively say from a single hook to the treble that he's had, his catch rate has definitely increased. Now, uh, you know, to get to that 92% is, is again, I, I, the more we talk through it, I I am convinced more. It probably is, uh, seasonal and conditional with how that fish takes the fly. That's what what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. So you're saying in the warmer months he had, a worse hookup percentage? Yeah, about 50%. Okay. And and I noticed that on the boat. It, I noticed that on when I'm doing charters, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, like I said, they are filled with energy. They are ready to go. They are the most aggressive they could ever be. Yeah. And filled with power. Mm-hmm. And especially if you get a big one on. Yeah. In the winter, it was completely, it was opposite, 180. You get those on, and you have a way better shot yeah. of landing them. It, but that, and this is using conventional uh, tackle, raptors, trolling, whatever it is. Summer, really tough. The uh, it, I'm, you know, on pins and needles if this thing's going to come in yeah. or not, if I'm going to be able to net it. In the fall, when I was out there, I was like, yeah, okay, we're going to catch this one that hit. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's, I, I think that it is just how their metabolism is and what they're, what these fish are putting into it. Um, so, so maybe, you know, you, 
design a bait or a fly for a very fast and 30 mile an hour fish that's going to crush that bait initially in the in the summer and still have a good hookup ratio and you also do that in in the fall that's the that's what we're striving to do right um whereas i think that that hookup ratio is going to be a little bit not a hookup ratio but netting hookup to yeah. catch right yeah 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 it, it is going to be easier in the fall uh yeah if you can fine tune fine tune your stuff but right. like i said summer percentage wise it's a horse apiece i don't know what's going to happen when that rod goes off when it gets in the net hallelujah yeah fall i feel like you got him dead to right if right. you can play it correctly on the way that you fight the fish right so in, in the i guess the cool thing is, is somewhat uh like you said maybe uh, we're looking for solutions on a hook versus hey these are good you know hook up to catch ratios seasonally like 50 percent's good in the summer you know and you're gonna see a increase in that in the fall and winter and so you know maybe not tinker and be satisfied with where you are because you might start damaging a good thing and you're going to now start talking about bite rates. You might drop your bite rates now because you just changed the whole action of the fly, trying to put another hook in it or something. I don't know, you know? So again, that maybe, maybe trying to search too much as opposed to, Hey, we we're doing pretty good. But what I can say though, is with a single hook, <laughs> the hookup to land ratio sucked in the summer and winter. So again, <laughs> single hooks in a fly, man, I'm telling you. I mean, you always think more, more hook points, you know, you, you're be, you're better off, right? I, I yeah. like that. I like that on our rafters. We have nine points. I like that on the glider. We have nine points, you know? Yeah. It, I, I think it comes down to how you're fishing, but again, you know, Andy, if we added, you know, for the fall, on our raptors nine odd hooks you think they're big they're 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 ready to go the bait's not going to run correctly so i think it's you need those those tinkerings can really affect that hookup ratio the catch ratio that you know if you're going to see a fish because yeah you know if you you start start messing with your bite chan your bite ratios now you know exactly yeah and i i think that it just comes down to you have a good arsenal uh Mm -hmm. and 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 hooks are a factor but i still think it i think that the like the intangible is more down to the way you work it the fly the way you set your drag on troll mm-hmm. uh the way you set your drag when you're casting with a conventional reel i think it's more of that than yeah. where uh then you know monkeying with a bait that that, that is that is already running 
the way it's supposed to run. That's correct. No, and that's a great point. You're right. I mean, again, we could keep chasing uh, different designs of this fly, and then you have to keep modifying the dang materials and everything to get back to the action you wanted just because you changed out hooks, when in reality, the hooks may not be really where your issue lies. So you, you might be chasing something that's unnecessary because, again, we get good action. I mean, five follows, uh, a nice fish hooked in a cold weather situation where your water temps are in your 30s. I think it's a good day. I mean, you know, I'm not going to complain about that day. I think um, it's a great day. I mean, to ch- I think what I hate is the fact we wasted an hour chasing fish in open water when we might have had another shot. But who knows? You know, cold water fishing, we could have fished the shore another hour and saw nothing anyway. So, so it, was a, it, was, it was an experiment. But so, again, fishing-wise, I saw it as a success. Granted, we didn't get any hero shots, but we didn't go seven hours with nothing either. So absolutely. And that, that comes down to fall fishing. When I go out on charters in the fall, it is, like I said, one bite. You are, you are after your trophy. You're, you're after your trophy. You have, you have the opportunity to get it. Um, and if you get something like your follows, you're, you're onto something you're doing something incorrect. You have to stick to it. You yeah. got short daylight hours mm-hmm. and you better, you, you better just stick, stick to it, you know, yeah. and just keep hammering and, and try not to get beat up by the mental game, you know? And uh, yeah, you know, five follows in the first, what three follows in the first 10 minutes, five follows throughout the day and a hookup. That's a great fall fall day in my book. If I said I was going fishing tomorrow and that happened to me, I'd say, holy hell, that was a great day. And what what point do you even like define fall into winter? Because, again, if your water temps are in the 30s, uh, that that, that might even be like beyond fall. So (laughs) I say I say that's winter. Yeah. You know, and we experienced that on Chautauqua this year. I was fishing in 35 uh, degree water temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I say fall water temperatures are like in the fifties. That's just me. And that's the lake that, that I fish, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that, that's what, the, you know, I kind of hit every season, spring, summer, fall, yeah. winter, because the, the season allowed me to, um, right. and you know, that's the, the fall fish and winter fish. And some people say, Oh, it's great. We can't wait for the fall and all this stuff. And, you know, I think the fall is the most testing time of yeah. musky fishing. It's as a guide and a musky fisherman, I don't look forward to it. I don't look forward to the fall because I know that, you know, the, the, you, I know, I know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, you're expecting, I'm expecting one fish. You can get the, the trophy 50 incher that's 40 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, but it's tough to come by. Right. They're not, they're not reacting that way. Some people say the falls, the, the, the time to go, you know, this is, this is it. You're supposed to be out there right now. Um, but more than likely you're not going to see anything. More than yeah. likely, you're going to get your ass handed to you on the water. That's the <laughs> most uh, 
testing time of the year for a muskie fisherman is the fall. Generally, muskie fishermen can get through it because they understand that this is, you know, trophy time. But, yeah. you know, when people say, it's, you know, here comes fall fishing, you know, we're, we're transitioning into it. I'm like, man, I better, I better figure something out because this is going to be a tough two months. <laughs> and, and that's 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 the way the way that i the, the way that i think of it and then, then yeah. in my my case study is small i fish chautauqua lake i fish some in pennsylvania i fish in canada in the fall you know yeah but with the guiding i'm on chautauqua lake all the time and that's just how they react uh where i'm at and mm-hmm. i think that carries in a lot of inland lakes in pennsylvania and, and all that stuff but Rivers are a different thing, yeah. You know, but well, and that's uh, the thing too. When lakes freeze over, uh, my buddy and I hit some rivers when we meet up. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, that's a whole different animal too. That's a whole different animal. Like you know, we'll, we we uh, you know Todd and I will go back and forth with Andy when he says like you know it's it hits fifty five degrees. You know, he's he had his most success. Yeah, and we're like you know on our lake. I mean, it, it sucks. <laughs> you know you get you know you're you're out there for one bite and if you get one bite you're like great day <laughs> you know um but it, it, it's a whole diff, different animal i i so, you know the the odd thing for me if you said to me you could only musky fish one season i'd probably pick winter and the only reason i say that is a I know the game. I know I, I enjoy the slow fishing. I don't mind going seven hours with nothing because I enjoy those bite windows of two or three fish if they happen in potential size and you don't see hardly anybody. Like I, I like the solitude aspect. We'll float a river in the winter that if you did in the summer, you might run into like 10 other musky guys doing similar things. Whereas in the winter, you don't see it. I mean, it's just, or these lakes that are 30 some degrees now, in this case, we didn't see anybody because what other idiots trying to launch on this lake? But, you know, it, it, it's just I love the, the solitude aspect of the whole fishing, you know, so. That, but you're right. It, that's absolutely true. I mean, it is solitude out there. And I really enjoyed the fall uh, yeah. because of, of, of that reason. Um, and, you know, but like maybe, you said, though, as a guide. <laughs> the fall's not great because you have a client who wants a five fish day who doesn't have the understanding of what they're going to see. Yeah, you have you have a five fish day. You read magazine articles that are you know the fall, the fall. Here's yeah. a you know fifty five incher that was unofficially <laughs> weighed and measured in the X magazine from the Canadian Shield. It's time yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna catch them. And you're out there for such a small time. You know, you're out there for eight friggin' hours, maybe, yeah. you know, if, if you can do it. And it's tough. It's just, it's tough in the fall. It's, it's, it's very yeah. tough from a guide uh, standpoint, any guy, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and especially like, you know, this fall, I was, I was using conventional ta- uh, tactics. You know, I can't run suckers and things, things like that. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so it, 
it, it puts you up against the eight ball even more when when you you know your the legality of things come come into that right. um but this fall was uh an exception and there was a lot of big fish caught mm-hmm. and it was because of what i tinkered with in my drags and things like that and and how fish were fought um but that's that was this year we'll see what happens next year it could be pounding you know snow it's 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 a hunt in the fall Mm -hmm. you know it's i i think it's like fishing in the summer it's a legitimate hunt in the fall you're sitting there you're waiting for that one to hit you for that one fish to hit it is a legitimate hunt well, and the funny thing, you talk about mind games. What makes it a real big mind game is, you know, now my bite window could be 10 minutes. That's contingent that there's even fish where I'm fishing. So you don't know if your bite window on the lake already went by and you just weren't on fish or if it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, the, <laughs> the, the mental game of staying in it uh, is, is another challenge. But again, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's the fall. Yeah. So, okay. Andy, I'm sorry I went on forever on this, but I'll end the story. All right. So again, we did our fishing. Uh, we got the five follows, one hook fish lost. It came time to go in. What we didn't notice as we were going in is they were actively draining the lake all morning and through the day. So when we got back to the launch, there was no foot of water. We're down to about an inch. And so we got about 50 yards of mud to somehow get through to the dang launch to get it close enough to hoist this drift boat <laughs> onto the trailer. Oh, wow. The yeah, sucky so thing it, with that is it, you need to put this in perspective is that I've always noticed with falling water, when the water levels are falling, I tend to have, I tend to have worse fishing. Hmm. Something, at least I'm putting this in a river perspective. When the river is falling, you know, that fast, if you lost a foot of water throughout the day, I've noticed that the fish seem to kind of shut down and get into a survival spot. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that, that's something that's interesting there. You, you, I mean, you could blow it off or whatever, but I'd probably at least put that in some memory spot somewhere in your head at least in this scenario, like why, why were they still active? But now you have a bigger problem. You have 150 feet of mud and probably white sneakers. No, no, we had muck boots. That was one good thing. So, uh, but this muck, uh, we didn't step in it because I think if you stepped in it, you'd have gone well above your muck boots. So the solution was, um, when we kind of were in the shallower water, we gunned it as as best we could to kind of skim across the, the, the flat without really messing up his motor or anything else. And with the momentum, we hurry up and kind of lift the motor and kept pushing through the mud. Cause fortunately uh, drift boats kind of slide relatively well through that. So we got it close enough that, uh, you know, we could jump in and know that you weren't going to go way above your boots. And I ran and got the, <laughs> the, the, truck once i got to shore uh backed it in and then you know we kind of stretched out the the crank line as far as we could 
got it, you know, crime on the frame of the boat <laughs> without going too far in. We're able to hook it up. And again, because drift boats have those rollers, you can almost uh, just wench it right up. And then we had a lot of mud to clean off the, the boat. But but <laughs> without the drift boat, you're, you're not getting out. But you probably wouldn't have gone in either. But the, the weird thing is we didn't quite know they were draining the lake like this. And I suspect they were doing that because when we got to uh, the one place we fished, which was around the dam and the outflow, they seemed to have a lot of construction vehicles there. So I think they were doing it at a rapid pace to work on this. Because this was just not normal for mm-hmm. the times we fished there. Mm-hmm. But you think that had a sign like active drawdown <laughs> or yeah, something. They, I don't know. Yeah, they probably were looking at you saying, <laughs> didn't they get the hint? Yeah, he's got out yeah. <laughs> to even get on the lake. <laughs> yeah. So, Interesting. so there's my fishing adventure, and I, I appreciate the discussion, Vance, on it. I think it was good, and uh, like you said, it kind of changed a little bit of the perspective of of how we may uh, approach the fly design. Because, in a sense, maybe we don't have to. You know, it's just the the, the inherent nature of what we're fishing. Maybe, so, maybe. So Pr- pretty mean, much sum it up if, with that. Maybe. <laughs> maybe you know maybe. there's there's no uh there's nothing concrete in the sport of musky right. fishing right you know if there was everybody would do it true and that's what and makes it fun. if it exactly so you gotta you gotta tinker some ways yeah and what i what i expressed was uh you know just what i know what i saw on the water throughout the years and uh especially this year so no you know it's tough to break a fly guy they are very very set in their ways um and that's what makes them good fishermen Uh, you have to be musky fishermen are insane period <laughs> to be a musky fisherman that just fly fishes you're the next level you know the, the odd thing and i'm going to end, end with this uh, i guess so again I, I don't consider myself a fly guy by any means um and you guys know i kind of dabbled in the trolling last year and did some this year and i was just always a caster for that but i hate to say it but the reason i seem to gravitate towards that fly rod is i just of the means, and again, I, I, I'm not as versed or experienced, but in catching them on conventional, even a spinning rod, trolling, catching them on a fly rod is so fun. So if you said to me, you're going to catch one on a fly rod to every five you can catch conventional, I'd probably go to the fly rod. Just for that aspect, the fight is so much more intense. There's a little more hand-to-hand combat because you're not winding them in, you're stripping them in. It's just an odd. It's just the whole experience to me is more enjoyable. Absolutely. Hence, hence why I kind of gravitate more to the fly rod, even though I might, in cases like you said, the fly rod could be a tool. That in some cases, might be the best tool, but a lot of cases it's not. So to kind of handicap yourself and force yourself to stick with it, you're doing it knowingly that you're losing what could be potentially caught fish. And again, and I do that because I just want the experience on that fly rod because it's just so much fun to me. I think that then, has a lot to do with the body of water, though, too. You know, well, yeah, uh, uh, with, with with the fly rod. You know, I'm not going to go cast a river uh, 
up into a shallow with a raptor jerk bait, you know, mm-hmm. it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So flies definitely have their place. Yeah. And, um, going back to what you said, I would do the same thing for casting, you know, just casting conventionally, uh, mm-hmm. as a, as for trolling, you know, there, there's no doubt that, you know, a fish in a boat's a fish in a boat, whatever. But if you're in it for a thrill aspect, the feel of the 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 follow, the the sight of the follow, the hit at the boat side, the hit when it's you know a hundred foot out there, yeah. you know, it, there's a different feel as to trolling. Uh, I, preferably, my personal uh, preference is casting. You know, that I love catching them casting. Yeah. It's super fun, you know. It's a lot more difficult uh, uh, for hookups. You know, I prefer to do that. Just like you said, that you, if you want every five fish to, you know, five to one, you would do it on a fly rod because it's fun. And you get to fight them and you get to feel everything. And you feel like you're working your tail off for them, which you are. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's why you know, we're a casting bait company. Yep. You know, we make casting baits, we make rod holders, you can do whatever you want with those. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, casting is the way it is. I hope I didn't crush anybody's fly dreams on what I was <laughs> like, talking about, but you know, we were just having an open conversation about an experience on a water, uh, and, and, you know. Well, but I, I'm with you, though. I, I, I think to eliminate other means without necessarily knowing why you're doing it uh, per se. Like if you're going for an elitism type of reason, I I don't know if that's a great reason. Like, again, for me, I'm not the most experienced guy, but I feel like I have enough experience on all the techniques that why do I choose a fly rod a lot of times? Because I have experience on all of them. And I like that. It's not like I think it's better than, or I'm achieving something. Why, why does it, I mean, obviously there's some elitist and, all aspects of the game, but it yes. doesn't, it, it just because you're fly fishing doesn't mean you're an elitist, you know, no, correct. You're just, you're just doing it cause you like it. Right. But, but like you said, there's guys who, and this was me, I'm going to tell you, I was a caster with conventional cause I thought trolling was like lame and cheating, but that's an, that's a, that's a pretty uh, limited analysis or scope to have when I never really have done it. And now that I've done it, I realize okay, Trolling is hard work. There's a lot to it. Now, granted, having both experiences, I probably like the casting better for all the reasons you mentioned earlier. But I feel like now having that, I have a better appreciation for the trolling and I can respect the guy who catches them trolling versus getting on a forum and bashing them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, 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 right. I think there's a lot of that that happens that people form the opinion without having the experience to, to know the other side. So that's all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, 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 uh, I agree with that. Um, hundred percent. I think as a musky fisherman, one of my points earlier, you have to be able to adapt on the water at any point, any given day. And you have to have an arsenal that's ready for it. Um, if you want to catch, if your objective is to catch fish, correct period, you know, but if you are just, I'm going to catch fish this way and that's your forte. Yeah. Enjoy it, you know, and right. enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I like those people that are 
this is the way that I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I don't like, I don't enjoy the people that uh, would be on a forum, as you mentioned, that say, this is the only way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and the way that you're doing it is completely stupid. Right. Which you see a ton of, unfortunately. You see a ton of, but you, you, you concentrate on negativity and those people, you know, are, are brainless, but you know, you just, <laughs> just let it go. You know, yeah. you let it go. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. That was good. Yeah. Andy, do you have anything to say? Cause you haven't said anything. Are you awake? I'm, I'm completely <laughs> he's a, awake. He's under a blanket, <laughs> but it's in his bed. <laughs> I went into my wood shop. I think my acoustics were way better in here. Yes. In the woodshed is much better. I'm not in a shed. I'm in a shed. Karen's uh, she shed. I'm the man of uh, constant sorrow. No, well, that's terrible, but I'm the man of uh, stealth. Stealth. You are. That's for another show, though. Nice. Andy won't. That's a teaser, right? Andy will not give me kudos for it. Because it's a. it, It is. I'll screenshot this, and, and you'll know why. Because it, it it involves a bright orange bucket, and it's 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 a sarcasm thing. <laughs> I, 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 I can I can tell you this: when I rounded the when I got into eyesight of where Vance was, I knew exactly where Vance was a half a mile away, because he's the man of stealth. Well, no, it was a minute, pitch black outside, and I knew exactly <laughs> if I would have had so, a rifle, I could have picked him off Chris Kyle style. That's how stealthy this boy is. So oh, wait a minute. Is this a teaser for the next podcast? Very well could, could be. be. I mean, down down the road when we wrap up. I mean, okay. <laughs> but, you got, I, don't, like, I don't know the story, and I'm, I can't, I'm going to tune in next time. Now. Yeah, I can't you, wait. Well, I think you do every time. If, well, I do, of course, but this one I'll be a little more anxious because I want to see what the man of stealth is made of. I'm the man of stealth. And, and is it, it any more... It's, it's unprecedented. Was it any more stealthy of you, of you dressing up like Rambo when you came to my house? Was he more stealthy than that? No, he he's literally a... Okay, so how can I paint this any more black and white? Okay, no, no, so, don't ruin it, though. I don't want you to ruin it. You could save it. I, I, we, yeah. I don't, I don't want to. There was a contrast of colors out there that did not lend well to blending in. <laughs> <laughs> say, just say my name, dude. You're getting shade thrown your way, buddy. <laughs> no, it, 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 but it, no. Know, the thing is, is that it, this is this is a joke. <laughs> say my name. Say my name. He's not recognizing your skills. The man of stealth. There you go. That's my name. The man, the man of stealth. When okay. it comes to the woods, I'm re- I'm just you, you. You never know. You, you, I could be in the woods right now. Yeah, squirrels are nesting in his lap. That's how. Let's just say this much. That's actually happened before. But. I have never got Coach of the Year award, though I should have, for at least three seasons with the man Bullshit. of stealth. Bullshit, dude! I found that <laughs> hemlock. I, I'm the one that said about that that place that I was. You didn't even know about it because I was there and you didn't see me because I'm the man of stealth. 
I've that's, sh- uh, that's that's where you want to be. I have yes. shot deer sitting next to that tree before you were even thinking of hunting. I'm talking okay. I'm know, talking man. like 17 years ago I shot a deer at that tree. Well, he he reinvented the spot it sounds like. He's, no. he's the chameleon that went right gotta, in and no one saw you've him. You've got to give me some freaking credit. No, I give you tons of credit, but I didn't think we you were know, talking about me, this tonight. You've got to give me some credit. I don't like, you know, when you come up to Stockland and catch your fish, I don't go like, I told you the spot. I told you the spot. I told you the spot. <laughs> well, hold you on. <laughs> hold on. You didn't tell me the spot. I was going yeah, to it. Just, because I I told you the spot like five freaking years ago, and you drove up to me. <laughs> Somehow, some way, another boat found a ranger, and they caught a fish. <laughs> oh, this man! So you have a fifteen thousand acre lake, and I I'm driving to an exact spot, and there's Vance. <laughs> Imagine that. Dude, who was at the spot first? Vance Wait. was. Oh, man. But Uh-oh. but here's the thing. Vance made the comment. He goes, I didn't know you were coming up. I didn't, I didn't fill anyone in that I was coming up on that day. I left that blank. I didn't want the help because I didn't want that dangled <laughs> over my head. <laughs> oh, right. You know, yeah. I got to say, though, because I, I fish Chautauqua like twice this year. And I ran into Vance. Vance is a man. He covers, buddy. He's like all over that lake. He's a man of like a thousand places. Well, that's because he wants to say that he put you all on that spot because you saw his boat, but he fishes every spot every day. I actually kind of screwed him because he was, he was, it was, the weather was horrible. And I think like me, you and Todd were the only three boats out there and we were fishing a fly fishing a weed line that Vance was trying to troll. So I, I didn't know it was him at the time, and I felt bad because I'm thinking to my buddy, I said, dude, this guy's trolling the weed line. What should we do? Like, you know, it, it, and so poor Vance had to go way wide, and then I realized it was him, and, you know, we talked, but it was, I felt bad. So I, I, I don't know if I apologize to you, Vance, but I, I'm no, sorry. You I, I have, I would never <clears throat> expect anybody to apologize oh, on, the, on the lake, you know. Yeah, but I, I know when you're trolling a line and then there's an idiot like, drifting that same weed edge i don't i don't i don't think that at all honestly when somebody's drift i i try to avoid and i don't think like oh man there was my spot (laughs) dang it that was it that's where i was because you could just you know catch them somewhere else the funny thing is vance is you just said you don't expect anyone to apologize but in the past i've seen people apologize to you that's the funny part by saying like you I'm sorry, be apologizing <laughs> for what? <laughs> for not calling me, for not giving me any credit on what? Not, ca- not calling me by my name, the man of stealth. Man oh of my stealth, gosh! <laughs> which has been changed on my license. I mean, what the hell? I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't get the memo. I mean, man. joined by Vance on the phone. I mean, that's just an insult. That's so, crazy. You know, you're joined by the man of stealth on the phone. Hi, man of stealth. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Man, you know, that's like calling Cassius Clay. Cassius Clay, after we went to Muhammad Ali, he didn't take kindly to that. So Vance needs the recognition of his new name. (laughs) Well, I I was never formally introduced (laughs) to this. He's so stealthy, that's the problem. 
It's in the papers. I, I just, <laughs> you just don't pay attention. That's <laughs> just insane. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, in a much more real sense, I suck at hunting. And Andy's the man. No, 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 there's just so many (laughs) funny things. And I'm, if it sounds like I'm just sitting here taking these, these sucker punches, I am because I don't want to give any of this away because I'm literally on the verge of spilling the beans of a whole bunch of hilarious things that were happening. (laughs) You don't want to make this like a seven hour podcast. That's a good teaser, man. You got people booked for the next one. (laughs) I mean, I literally was was called to action for probably 20 minutes of my life but i have an hour's worth of material on that 20 minutes <laughs> well, I, meant. I, dude, I can't wait now okay good good like i said you, you couldn't set up a trailer better for that next uh, podcast i mean it's and so it's probably going to get better because we got saturday coming up and and vance I and i are going to go vance the andy and vance show Round one was last Saturday. Wait, wait a minute. You mean Andy and Man of Stealth? Thank you. In a much more real sense, Vance said. He, yeah. Uh, okay. So anyways, we had round one, which was largely uneventful. <laughs> However, round two is coming up this Saturday, which should be full of events for several other reasons aside. But You know, Vance, he's, he's dying to talk about it. He can't take it now. He's on the edge of that. I can see him on the hey. edge of his stall right now. Look, when I when I get into the woods, there it's always a good story. <laughs> it really is cuz it's I mean, I own it for what it is. Yeah. And I just I just uh, I I own everything and Andy can critique, you know, and it's it's funny stuff. I enjoy it. Andy and I sat on Saturday and it was the most relaxing time. I've had in like 180 days because I was rigorously on the water, but it was so much fun. And Andy and I usually do pretty good together. When we sit, we have a, we have a history of, of doing well hunting. And I expect that to happen on uh, the, you know, opener of doe coming in two days uh, up here in two days. So, you know, it's fun. It's fun to, sit with but i mean did you even laugh at the text i was sending you or anything yeah i, I mean yeah i was laughing but i, I also <laughs> when, when i keep in mind when i got back it was the immediate time it's now i got to get two young ones into bed because i knew we had <laughs> this going on we were going to do the show so i was juggling some stuff until mm-hmm. uh you know, one of them went down, so then Mama could take the other one, and then I was out here. Uh, and it's all business. Free. It's you know, got to be professional. <laughs> I I mean, I even yeah. screenshot that, and I, and we're gonna speak after the show, and I sent it to another person who I had a hot tip on with an event that happened tonight, <laughs> and they thought it was funny too. Oh, really? Yes, but I of, of our of our text. Yes, there there was a. Uh, I don't know why we're discussing this on the show, but I know. <laughs> yes, I mean I have to leave everything vague, but I'll ex- I'll explain it here in like Texted a minute. Prepare yourself to come out and help me drag a deer, and in a much more real sense, do not prepare yourself. And then <laughs> I sent you two awful gifts. 
of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I I made a seat that no deer can see. You're going to give it away. We're we're done. You're already into it now. We're we're done. They don't stand a chance against my level of stealth. Yes. Okay. So we're done. Big thanks to Fat Easy Musky Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guide, St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine Sports Center, Ranger Boats, Musky Max Plus, and Muskies Inc. New calendar time's coming up. Renew your membership. Be part of the greater good. And with that, thank you for listening. Good luck fishing or hunting.